IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they service projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website at iatse212.com or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting! Welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Matt Waterworth. Matt Waterworth here. Scott Westby here. We are um, Folsom Productions, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews from the uh, film industry in Alberta. Yeah. And if you're listening to this right now, um, we're just uh, we'll just blast through the news here and get right back into the interview because this is part two. Yes. It is episode 100, part two. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Our conversation with Murray Ord, um, which is fantastic, and and. If I'm being candid, the second half is my favorite part because it all ah, yes. gels and comes together. Right, and we right. have a, a special surprise guest mm-hmm. who joins the conversation. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's let's get into some news. Uh, sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I also just want to mention the fr- uh, really nice response to the hundredth episode. Um, yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, as absolutely. always. Yeah, support uh, of the industry uh, is is so wonderful and yeah. You know, we wouldn't do it if nobody listened. We really would. Exactly. exactly. We joke that nobody does, but I do. <laughs> it's Sometimes. True. It's true. <laughs> Your dog listens. My dog, she does yeah, listen actually yeah. more than me. <laughs> um, so the, there's some awesome news uh, from the Edmonton Journal that uh, some Edmonton filmmakers are going to appear in the Sundance uh, Festival. Wow. Yeah. I saw this. So This awesome. is very cool. Actually, more than one, more than two even, I think. Three different filmmakers. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, very cool. Yeah, so so um, handful of films is gonna is gonna have a short film called Fast Horse, which will screen at the 2019 Sundance Film Festival, competing in the International Shorts Program. It's produced by Niobe Thompson and directed by Alexandra Lazarowicz, and it follows the six sickle horsemen uh, Allison Redcrow and new jockey Cody Big Tobacco on their way to challenge the best riders in the Blackfoot Confederacy. So, so Fast Horse and uh, the company's Boy Nomad, which is directed by Thompson, have been selected for the year-long 2019 Banff Mountain Film Festival World Tour as well. So they're oh, okay. going international, these folks. Wow. Um, and that means these films will be featured in over a thousand screenings. And of course, uh, Trevor Anderson, his film Docking, will also be screening at Sundance. So Trevor Anderson. Uh, such he, amazing work he does do such amazing work he really does uh, we we need to have him on this podcast i completely agree <laughs> I, don't I, know. Why that I actually just met yet. him for the first time this summer yeah and i was like oh my god he's so nice <laughs> he's, he's the nicest he's and, so wonderful uh werner herzog has seen one of his films and, and said really nice things about it um he has done some uh, incredible work not just uh, as a filmmaker but also with fava and um yeah uh certainly a, a no-brainer um yeah so we'll have to get him on yeah soon. absolutely Season three, Trevor Anderson. Yes. We're coming for you, man. That's right. So um, some, some other great news. Uh, Nomadic Pictures, an Alberta production company honored by Playback Magazine uh, as uh, one of the production companies of the year in its winter 2018-2019 print magazine. Um, 
and the, the byline here is that the Calgary company has enjoyed one of its strongest years since forming over two decades ago. And I totally agree with that. They're, they're making some huge, amazing, really, really fantastic stuff, including three green lights from Netflix, the Island, the order and woo assassins. Of woo. course they, you know, they make Van Helsing, uh, which season three debuted on sci-fi. Um, and they work on the detour as well. So congrats to the whole team at nomadic. Um, some other exciting news. If you're, uh, if you're interested in attending the Manitoba conference, uh, known as all access, which is an annual three day media production industry forum produced by on screen Manitoba in Winnipeg. Uh, if you're a member of Ampia, you actually get a discounted rate, um, uh, by about a hundred bucks. Um, That's awesome. so if you're interested in heading, I'm, I'm just checking out the website here and it looks like there's some cool, uh, stuff happening, uh, film TV and interactive. So there's, going to be some VR business. So, um, yeah, it looks, looks fun. So check out all If you want to, uh, head over to that. Some, uh, great success news from cuff docs, 2018, the Calgary underground film festivals, uh, program cuff docs just wrapped, um, it's festival this year and they had an increasing audience size of 23%. Wow. That's huge. I did notice like it just, it seemed to have a much bigger reach. Uh, it was like on my radar I, way I more. Was, yeah, I was totally way more aware of it yeah. uh, this year. So congrats to uh, the festival organizers and everybody who went. Um, and there was a tie for the winner between Mining the Gap and People's Republic of Desire. The audience award went to Wolves Unleashed Against All Odds. So um, yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed the festival. Obviously, that, that increase in attendance is strictly due to uh, the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Of course. Um, which everyone listens to. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get back into our conversation yeah. with Murray. I mean, yeah, I don't know what kind of introduction we need here. So Yeah, uh, no, let's jump right into it. We're, we're now into episode 101 of the podcast <laughs> oh. because uh, this is a this is a great no, conversation. There's so, there's that, so much yeah. story to, to which is no, which is great. It's two parter, and why not? Um, right. So, uh, but we also haven't really gone into your executive producing credits. Right. Um, so, do, do you want to walk us through some? Well, of that I want or? to talk about a location scouting oh, sure, story sure. first. Okay. Oh, please, yeah. Department. All right. Please, you have a specific location okay. scouting story in a helicopter. Mm. And I'd love to. Oh yeah, to okay. Hear that uh, one the original cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was um, that was a great uh, uh, day. That was with um, uh, David Valdez, who's a friend to this day, a very respected Hollywood producer. And I forgot about it because I was looking at the IMDb while we're while we're right. chatting here, and maybe uh, well incorporate the story where, where the fact that you did some of the touring around on this particular film, but you didn't end up being the location, location manager, manager, which yeah. is a great story. Yeah. Um, so, um, they, um, the first, uh, the, the, to really segue back to, to, for people to understand how the film industry works between film commissions as well, uh, is, uh, in those years, Bill Marsden was the Alberta film commissioner and he was a great guy, former filmmaker from Edmonton, okay. documentary filmmaker, Marsden, Marsden, huh. can't remember the name of his company. Well, well known filmmaker. And he, uh, sort of the last quarter of his career, because uh, he'd been a documentary filmmaker for a long time and, and shooting other movies as well, was well-known, like a big, you know, well-known filmmaker sure. in Alberta. Yeah. Sure. Um, he uh, got an opportunity to be the Alberta Film Commissioner with the Alberta government. Okay. And uh, at that time, the Alberta government had a lot of money, and they had a, f- a fleet of planes and uh, helicopters. 
And uh, Bill, because he came from the industry, was a get-it-done kind of guy, which right. is great for a film commissioner, right, I think, because for sure. he really knew, understood production. Right. And he was a, he was a people person, and he, and he and Les Kimber were good friends, and they used to go down to Los Angeles together, and he just knew how to do business. And uh, so Bill got word that uh, there was this movie from Warner Brothers, Clint Eastwood movie that was scouting in British Columbia. This is also good entrepreneurial stories because just how you get things, right? Yeah, yeah. They were looking in BC. Okay. And uh, he heard about it and somehow reached out to David Valdez and uh, the I think it was the production designer, Henry Bumstead, I can't remember. And uh, somehow courted them, got a hold of them, probably phoned them. Sure. And said, understand you're shooting in BC you know, he wasn't dissing BC, but he said, you know, I live in Alberta. And he said, I'm willing to fly in here uh, if you'd want to come and have a look on the weekend and just have a look at what we got. And I can't remember, I don't think, maybe, I think I did do that official, that first scout as well. So, yeah, I did. So it was David Valdez and Henry Bumstead. This is the gist of the story, and it may be not totally accurate timing-wise, but, and so David Valdez young producer from Hollywood, but but still had done some major things. Henry Bumstead, one of the uh, most accredited and famous rock star production designers in Hollywood. Okay. And at that time, he, was, he would have been 70 years old, oh, or wow. 72 years old. He had learned, he started his career with Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. And that's where he came from, and he'd done tons of movies. And he he had become Clint's production designer for back to uh, uh, Days in Madison County or whatever the name of that movie was. And yeah, uh, Bridges and of Madison County. Bridges Bridges of Madison County. All those. He Henry was the designer on all right. those. And um, maybe that was after Unforgiven. I can't remember, but before he worked with Clint. So anyway, they flew here, and I did an initial scout. Bill hired me to do the initial scout with David and Henry, and we I took them to Drumheller and sure. a number of different areas and showed them Longview, John Scott's Ranch, I think, all down there, over two days. And then they went back to Los Angeles and took a bunch of photos, sent David the photos, all that. That went over about a two-week period. Pretty quickly after, 10 days later or something, David called me back, and he said, uh, Murray said, we've shown everything to Clint, and uh, he's interested. And uh, we're coming up. Um, on this day, four days or a week later or something, um, can you set things up for us? And I said, for sure. And I think he'd already called Bill Marsden, the Alberta Film Commissioner. And Bill said, um, just whatever you need, we'll lay, Take it, on. The lay it on. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And so uh, Bill immediately, uh, he and I talked. He said, Murray, I'm going to, yeah, exactly, Scott, uh, I'll make the big six-passenger twin-engine uh, jet ranger, I think it's called, helicopter available for you guys wow. from the government. And Roger Tierney, I always remember his name, the, the government, one of the chopper pilots, um, been a man, he would have been about 52 years old or something at the time, very experienced. He'll bring the chopper down the, the night before, landed at the um, private, um, I think it was SO Avitat or one of the private... Uh, Hangers at the right. Calgary airport. Okay. Um, so it was discreet, right? Nobody knows. Uh, we'll land the chopper there the night before. It'll be set up. Roger will stay in a hotel. 
uh, and we'll have the helicopter ready. And then David coordinated, and he said, we'll, we'll be flying up. We'll leave Los Angeles at 7 a.m. in the Warner Brothers jet, and there'll be myself, Henry Bumstead, Clint, and the uh, director of photography, should remember his, Jack, another well-known cinematographer. Jack I'm Peekins. sure, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I think he's All a, the best he's cinematographers. Player, but it's a good name. <laughs> name yeah. Deacon. Uh, Jack, I'll remember his name in a minute. Uh, he was a cinematographer. Uh, and so the four of them, and uh, he said, we'll be landing. We leave at 7, we land at 9. And we'll land at where Bill has the chopper left at the private airstrip. Right. Um, Bill arranged, this is fantastic, Bill arranged for customs to clear them inside the Warner Brothers jet. So nobody saw anything. Oh, okay. Uh, they cleared customs inside. Uh, they uh, got out of the Warner Brothers jet, which was parked about 150 uh, to 300 feet away from the chopper. Maybe it was yards, 100 sure. feet. They walked across the tarmac. I was there, and at that, in those days, we laid out all of I still like that, actually. Laid out all the photos in the file folders, right? So I had a stack of them, and an you know, itinerary planned. I right. had a stack of photos on the file folders and an itinerary planned, and I laid them out. So the introductions were, and Bill was there as well. He flew down, obviously, to welcome them, make the introductions. Wow. Roger Turney, the chopper pilot, was there. We, everybody met each other, shook hands, and I started laying. It was kind of a bit breezy. It was like 9 in the morning, sunny day, and laying the pictures of the locations and where we were going to go. And I was going to start at the Stony Indian Reserve. Then we were going to fly to Drumheller and then different places. So I started laying out the photos, showing him the Stony Indian Reserve to Clint. And David had already seen some of these places, so they weren't really looking at them. And Clint said, he said, it's okay, Murray. He said, you know, wherever you, whatever you got planned, let's just let's do, just it. do yeah. it. And so, great. So I put all the pictures away and we get in the chopper, and so there's David. Did you find out Jack's last name? Green. Green. Jack yes. Green. Twister yeah. and uh, Serenity, actually. Oh, okay. as well. Which is and Unforgiven. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Jack, David, Henry, and myself, and this is a big chopper, so it's a, a twin engine, uh, and we're sitting in the back seats, and Clint sits in the co-pilot seat with Roger, which makes sense front and um, so. Uh, Roger and they got the, we've all got headsets. Right, the on headsets on. Right, yeah. We can hear each other. Right. And so Roger never told Bill or I this. He turned to Clint and he said, "Mr. Eastwood, he said, I understand you fly your own chopper. Um, would you like to take it?" <laughs> and, Unreal. And David Valdez is sitting beside me. <laughs> he, look, he looks at me with his eyes about the size of saucers, and he goes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Clint says uh, that'd be great. Nice, oh, <laughs> and amazing. Yeah. So there's like it's uh, and so Roger has it all set up, dual controls, foot controls, and controls. So Roger turns on the engine, prop start, and Clint uh, gently takes it and just you know the chopper just you know as you start to lift off a little it, bit, yeah. get a feeling. Up we went, smooth as anything. <laughs> Straight over to the Stony Indian Reserve. <laughs> That's got to be one of those moments in yeah. life where you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm on a helicopter with 
five people and yeah. Clint Eastwood is flying it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And he flew. He flew himself we, we, around Alberta. We yeah. uh, scouted from the Stony Indian Reserve to Drumheller, landed in Drumheller, and we had um, uh, fuel uh, arranged to be dropped because jet fuel, because we had such a long day. Right. We had to That's refuel. That's what I've, I've often in, wondered about the story. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in, uh, in Drumheller, in this little place which is a you could land the chopper and it was just a shack mm-hmm. in the middle of town kind of on the outskirts of Drumheller um, a shack and I had lunch already packed right because we didn't want to be stopped anywhere in the back of the chopper um, for all of us and uh, we landed there and we'd had uh, either Bill or me I think Bill must have arranged for or Roger for jet fuel to be trucked in a half ton truck from wherever they got jet fuel to this little shack in Drumheller they were fueling up. We're eating lunch in this just gravel place with a, and the shack had a guy who ran the shack because it was a place where they, I guess, fueled up choppers apparently and stuff. And uh, there's an old crappy car seat there from no half ton truck. It was like a bench seat with right. holes in it. Right. And, just uh, sitting on the ground. And, yeah, just sitting on the ground in the shack. And uh, uh, so. Uh, we're just it, taking about a half hour for lunch and to fuel up. And Clint, I was happened to be inside the shack, and Clint walked in and just sat down in the, in the, uh, in the uh, this That's seat, bench, yeah. this car seat. <laughs> the uh, lady who happened to be in there running the shack, or the guy, um, they watched him kind of walk in and didn't take notice and sat down. And then they did like a, they didn't say a word, but like they looked again and. I'm sure they thought that's actually Dirty Harry sitting there, right? Yeah. Like, that really is. Right, who that right, is, yeah. right? In the most like random yeah, place. Yeah. yeah, he was just chill about yeah, it, right? Yeah. Said hi to them, right? They just didn't say a word or anything. Amazing, or just, amazing. And then we got in the helicopter and flew away. <laughs> and uh, we ended up. I then we then flew from Drumheller. Said that all looks good, can work. It didn't land, and then we flew. Uh, down towards Longview because that was an area I had thought could work for uh, Big Big Whiskey, the town. Okay. Where uh, Henry could build the town. And so we landed there, and I, I can't, there was no GPS or anything using it then. So I was doing that kind of by eye, right? And I'd driven, right. only driven there. Right. It's a lot and, different from the and sky. And it's in the middle. It's like it's just pasture, right? Like it's, it kind of all looks the same. Anyway, we found this area. We landed. And then uh, Henry really liked it. He said, yeah, I can build the town here because it was kind of on a slant. I don't know if you remember the movie, but cool idea, too. Instead of building the town on a flat right. prairie, it, this was kind of on an angle. And cool. Henry wanted that because that was how they, they built towns in those. It wasn't all perfect, right? So some buildings would be on a slant and some would be lower than sure. others yeah. on yeah. Main Street, right? It's, it's, right. It looks better on camera, too. Yeah, 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 it yeah. does. Yeah, it's more texture. Yeah. It's interesting. So... Um, that's where he wanted to build a town. So we, um, I think we, I think we had stakes and yeah, we did stakes and I had uh, surveyor's tape. So we marked it out and then, uh, we you marked it away. out right then. I right think then we there. did oh, not, cool. not everything, but just right, kind just of the area. area. Yeah. I think we did. I'm pretty sure we did. Maybe we did that later. Can't remember. <clears throat> and then we flew away. And of course I had to figure out who owned it, where right. it was. Right. Uh, uh, and I had a map, I think, with right. sections and stuff. So I kind of I kind of knew it was just because it's just kind of west of John Scott's place. And right. So, so it wasn't like next door, but it, anyway. Um, so then we flew from there down to into the Fernie area, the Crow's Nest Pass, looked at that. And we flew that all down the mountainside because Clint wanted to see 
so we went over towards the mountains and flew over top of the mountains all the way down to the Crow's wow. Nest Pass. Right. Like that's like that's well, huge. That's we're high. like, and sometimes he'd be we'd be circling around mountain peaks, right? Yeah. <laughs> like this, and he's flying the whole time. He's flying the whole time, <laughs> yeah, really, really well too. And uh, so we ended up uh, down by uh, Crow's Nest Pass. Didn't really see anything there that they liked, and then uh, David said, "Well, Murray, is there any?" because we're pretty much towards the end of the day. Is there anywhere um, we could land here? Uh, and he said, we can just radio the Warner Brothers jet and they can meet us rather than going back to Calgary right. to get on the plane to fly. Right, right, right. Because he knew we were already south and they could start heading to the U.S. Right. So I said, yeah, there's... And Roger confirmed. He said, we're just not far from Lethbridge. There's an airport there. I can just land there right. if that's what you guys want to do. Let's do that. You can do that? You can just say, yeah, hey, just radio airport, I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is incredible to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he didn't tell him Clint Eastwood was on No, there. of course, just, of course. But, but he'd get permission to. I, I always assumed you have to file a flight plan and you have to well, sort I'm, of. No, I'm sure there's ways to do that. And yeah. I think it was I think it was a private airport. Not private, but a hmm. small airport. Right, okay. Maybe not the one where you can fly to. Sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, but there hey, we're coming into land. Is, yeah. Yeah. Maybe sure. it was part of it. I don't know. Sure. I'm sure you can land. You just say I'm coming in. Yeah. And so they said no problem. So. Um, Roger then radioed because he had other details. The Warner Brothers jet, right? Two pilots were just all their job was to sit there till further instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, can you meet us at? And they don't know where Lethbridge is, but he just gave them coordinates. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, at this, we'll be. Roger told them we'll be there in fifteen minutes, right, or twenty minutes, right? Because we were still in Fernie, I think, at that time. And uh, they said no problem. We'll see you there. And so we flew to that landing strip. And uh, as we were flying in, the Warner Brothers jet was sitting on the tarmac. <laughs> Already with them. Yeah. And because it's a jet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess And so. uh, uh, they uh, were sitting there. And um, we landed 150 feet away from it or whatever it was. Everybody shook hands. Uh, <laughs> th they thanked me. Uh, and uh, David said, we'll be talking to you shortly. Murray, thanks very much for a good day. Wow. They walked over to the Warner Brothers jet. And they were back in their homes. That would have been probably five, six at night. And so two-hour flight in the jet, I guess. Drive to, they, were back in their homes at they were back in their homes at 9 o'clock. Right. Unreal. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was my favorite uh, location survey. And, and yeah, no such, doubt. And we, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. we uh, uh, landed unforgiven here in Alberta. That's it was, right. It was, now, you, uh, they, they came knocking on your door and said, all right, we're coming. Yeah. You're the locations manager. Yeah. And yeah. you said... I said, uh, David, I, ca I can't do it because I'd already committed to um, a Ray Bradbury television series, which was really cool shooting in Edmonton. Right. And Randy Bradshaw was directing a lot of those episodes. Right. Doug was producing it. Bradshaw McLeod was producing it. Right. And uh, I'd already committed to them, and they were friends. And, and I wanted to do the series. You know, I would love to have done Unforgiven, but I already committed uh, to that. And I think David Valdez, and we're still friends to this day, the producer, great producer who's gone on to produce major stuff and still is. Uh, he's actually working with James Cameron right now oh, as wow. we speak. Um, David kind of, uh, I, he was never, he wasn't critical of me saying no, but he kind of said, even if he didn't say it, he kind of, really? Like, <laughs> you're going like, yeah, to say yeah. 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 And I said, yeah, I, I committed to this, but I wish I'll, and I said, I'll help you. Um, I'll recommend somebody that right. I think could be really good for it um, in a team. And he said, okay. 
And uh, so I ended up recommending Reno Pace, who's a close friend of mine, who had started with um, uh, me and us, because that was after where Airwolf, I think. So we had done, Les and I had done Airwolf in Vancouver. Reno had done this TV series with me here. I was helping getting him into the business. He moved to Vancouver. Oh, okay. He was already starting to do, but this was a big opportunity for him. Sure, of course. And I knew he could handle it and he'd right. be good at it. Plus right. he'd already worked here, but he lived in Vancouver. So they hired him and he, nice. he did Unforgiven. He's but not, it's just such a good, uh, you know, it's it's an integrity thing, right? Like yes. you've committed to yeah. something else. And yeah, for sure. And, and we've fought, David and I, uh, and he's, he knows Mo, my wife, he's met our girls. We stayed with he and his wife in Los Angeles well after Unforgiven. Oh, wow. Um, when Robin was just, uh, who you guys have met Robin, yeah. she was just three years old or something. We went to Los Angeles for a, a holiday and day we were over to their house and, um, hung out at their pool with them and we still stay in touch. Not every month or anything, right, sure. but every Enough, couple yeah. years and, um, uh, he's a great guy and nice. I think the world, and I, since, since Unforgiven, then I actually did location manage a T, uh, pilot for a TV series in Vancouver oh, okay. after Unforgiven oh. called Sirens. Um, right. That's on your Sirens. IMDb. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sirens. And that was with, um, David got the job producing the pilot Okay, and, uh, they shot it in Vancouver and David, uh, hired Lynn Bestplug, who's a, worked with us at Access. And Randy Bradshaw, and she became a really fine production manager in Vancouver. She was the production manager, and she said to David, uh, why don't we hire Murray to come out from Calgary and be the location manager? And David said, well, do you think he'd come out? And she said, oh, sure, I'll call him. And so I said, I'd love to do it. So we did that together, that serial, uh, that pilot called yeah. Sirens, directed by Bob Butler, who a, was a very famous television, I think still is, I would hope, uh, and he would have been a seasoned veteran at that time, probably 55 years old. I really right. liked him as well. And uh, he was the guy who gave me a famous saying, because he was a TV director and directed a lot of, you know, um, he was had a real track record of directing pilots, became successful series, and, right. uh, and TV series right, and movies right. of the week. And uh, I liked him a lot. Straightforward guy, really good guy. And he was the guy who always gave me the saying, uh, or to- told me the saying, uh, too much shoe leather, and I don't know if I mentioned that to you guys, but I think but you have, it yeah. was. Uh, car pulls up in front of the house. Uh, star actor gets out of the car, walks up to the sidewalk, up the stairs, up to the pushes the doorbell to meet the the ingenue female star, and the door opens. Right. So just instead, car pulls up. Uh, doorbell rings. Uh, right. Door or, opens, or now right? the yeah. door opens. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like there's not a lot of time. A- a- exactly. In the, yeah. But uh, just simple, he didn't say that's too much, Murray, or anything. Right. He just said, he, he called it too right. much shoe right. leather, right? Nice. Cool. Wasted time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what about Alberta Film Entertainment? Right. Uh, great, uh, great run there with Tom Cox and Jordy Randall, uh, who, as you know, Matt, uh, were uh, uh, a big part of 724 and and that whole run there um, with um, uh, uh, the all their TV series Heartland being the most recent right. huge hit uh, and so uh, I had become the Alberta Film Commissioner for five years right, I stepped yeah. away from I didn't the mean industry. to skip over that but and uh, <laughs> five I, years I, of- I, I took it out of the government turned it into a public private not for profit film commission which had never really been done by many places right. and that was in the Ralph Klein era when they were cutting budgets and Steve right. West was the Minister of Finance I'd been hired to be the Calgary Film Commissioner. 
Six months later, uh, the government was looking at trying to cut back or do something with the Alberta Film Commission. John Young was the president and CEO of Calgary Economic Development, who had hired me to be the Calgary Film Commissioner. And he said to me, he said, Murray, what if... What if we propose, make a proposal to the provincial government that we take over the Alberta Film Commission and we move it to Calgary? We still promote the province, but we do it on Calgary. And I said, well, that's an interesting idea. Let's try that. So we pitched the government. They went for it. The government ended up still putting some money into it because they didn't want to abandon it. They just couldn't afford to pay the whole nut. Then I went to, um, uh, had to talk Edmonton Film Commission into uh, sanctioning this because right. they were suspicious. All that we do is just bring all the oh, movies yeah, of here. Course, of course, and we Rick Lalashur, who is now the president, or was the president of the, of the uh, Edmonton Eskimos. I think he's the president of the BC Lions now. He was the president and CEO of um, Economic Development Edmonton. Ken Fisk was the Cal- Edmonton Film Commissioner. Anyway, we ended up talking through it. They were suspicious, but we did talk them into it. Right. We had a great relationship. Uh, moved the film commission to Calgary and had a very successful run. And Brenda McLean, uh, I hired her because she had been like you, Matt, working for Tom and Randy right. and uh, Doug uh, as part of the whole North of Sixty world. Yeah, and Alberta Film Works. As, at the time. And she just she she came from oil and gas where she worked for Nova. Right. But I had filmed at Nova on their 24th executive floor, met her. She was the person that Nova assigned to me to set up permission to take over their whole floor and move all the offices. And I could see this girl was like unbelievable. She was like thought ahead, presented herself well. And so when, when she was, she was interested in the film business, I recommended her to Tom. Yeah. You told me about her. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they hired her and she was like, She's like amazing. <laughs> and uh, so then when she was working with them and then when I took over the Alberta Film Commission, I said, I want her to come and work with me. So she became the vice president of the Alberta Film Commission. Wow, wow. I was the president and we ran that, her and I ran that along with Tracy Blake for and uh, some other really great people for uh, five years. Okay. It was very successful and we ran it like a production company right, right. and we weren't restricted. What, what years are we talking here? I can't remember. I think it was like- 90. 90s, 90 to 95 yeah. or something okay. or like something like that. Sure. Um, and, uh, and then I got back in the business and that's when, because Brenda and I had really worked Los Angeles a lot and with the studios and had relationships with all those studios, some of which I had already as a location manager and developed more. When I left the film commission, uh, Tom and Jordy, who had, who had started 724 by that time and were already running, uh, Tom said, what if we team up and form another company, Alberta Film Entertainment? They had the Canadian producing experience, right. accessing tax credits, grants, incentives, which sure. I didn't have. Right. I had the relationships right. with Warner Brothers, Sony, right. Disney. Still have some of those, actually. And um, so they said, and we could... Uh, accessing the Alberta tax credit, which worked well in those days for co-productions. Right. We could start pitching American productions to come up here and we'd be the co-producers. They still continue to do their Canadian. So I said, that's a good idea. So we formed Alberta Film Entertainment and we did 26 
movies of the week and two or three features. Yeah. Um, which w- was a great run for two, about nine years. Two among them, uh, Brokeback Mountain, yep. which was a massive success. Yeah. And then, of course, the the assassination, assassination of Jesse, Jesse James. James. Yeah. Uh, so what was <laughs> what, what was it like working on those projects? It was great. A great experience. Again, a different one in terms of we were co-producers. So we, and again, I had we landed our first trip to Los Angeles we one of our meetings that I set up because that was what I did a lot of was with Sony Television, and Dennis Brown was a major producer at Sony Television, a really good guy, and we had brought him up here on a fam tour, right where you bring yep. producers from studios, sure. and I was the uh, 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 location manager at the time and had met Dennis, and uh, maintained a bit of a relationship, and so he was one of the meetings we had, and. Uh, Again, it's just, you know, relationships, hey, yeah. all about relationships. And so we went to see Dennis, Tom, and Jordy and I at Sony on the lot. Right. And uh, he was really cordial and glad to see his real casual man, very experienced. And uh, so he said, what are you guys up to? And we told him. He'd never met Tom and Jordy before. Told him their background. He knew a bit about mine. And uh, we met with him for, I'd say, four 50 minutes to an hour. And at the end of the meeting, and he'd never indicated, we didn't know he had a project or anything. There was no, no, no right. talk about it. Just talking generalities and what he's up to. And uh, at the end, he took this script and he threw it across the table at us. And he said, why don't you guys have a look at this and uh, see if we might be able to make it in uh, Calgary. And it was uh, a movie called A Matter of Family, Starring uh, Allie yes. Kirsty, right? And uh, uh, we looked at it, we scouted it, had it scouted, put together a photo package, sent it back to Dennis, and he said, "Looks great, we're coming, let's do it." <laughs> wow! And uh, we shot it here. That huh. was our first first one. Wow, so we nice. la- our first trip, we landed a movie. Unreal! Wow! And uh, and from there, we did lots of stuff with Mandalay and right. Warner Brothers, and uh, yeah. Yeah, was, cool. And focus features. That was a good story. We, uh, Tom and Jordy and I, with our wives, uh, flew to New York because focus features had scouted here. Terry Marsh, I think, had done the original scout. A great location scout as well. Terry, I think the world of him. He, he doesn't manage a lot of movies, but he's a fantastic location scout. He really knows how to handle people. And he's a rock and roll guy with great long. Do you know Terry? I don't think I do, no. Long blonde hair, like rock and roll hair, like okay, the, yeah. the Grateful Dead. Yeah. <laughs> but he's And he does international stuff. He's always, he lives in Calgary, but he's doing stuff always in, you know, Czechoslovakia, yeah. Sweden, and sure. um, Britain, huh. and cool. with them, bringing them here. Right, right, right. Mexico. And, right. You know. Anyway, um, they were interested in Alberta, and so we flew on our own nickel to New York, Focus Features offices in New York, sixty five. I still remember the address. But I can't remember. <laughs> trying to remember the street. And uh, that's so with, uh, yeah. yeah, it is. And uh, met with uh, the producer of Focus of right. that movie, and uh, that's where we um, sold them on what we could do. And wow, cool. And uh, the they'd already seen Alberta, and yeah. that's how Ang Lee ended up here. And wow, Heath Ledger and. Very Jake, cool. Very cool. Everybody, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I remember I, I was working in the Heartland production office. Right. Um, and it was also the Brokeback Mountain production office previously. So Right. So, I, I, yeah, it's just, it, it's always, I don't know, there's a little bit of that Hollywood, you yeah. know, if you, Fargo or, brings in, yeah, yeah you and yeah. McGregor, whoever. It was just like, wow, this is, these rooms, you know, Heath Ledger's yeah. walking around. Walking around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ang Lee. Yeah. Walking around, yeah. yeah. Hey everybody, Matt here. Just wanting to pop into the conversation to let you know about the Calgary Film Center, which is a world-class screen-based production facility suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces, complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. White, which is Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. One more thing that the Film Center has that we never talk about is those red rolling lights. So if you want to say, uh, hey, nobody go through the door right now because we're rolling... I, it's so funny. I didn't even know, <laughs> know yeah. those existed. Yeah, you were saying this. Well, I, we, I did a little tour while we were shooting Jones, and, and um, yeah, every every shot we had somebody manning the light. Light goes on. Don't don't go through the door when uh, because I love you know it. you got yeah, it. You, you can't have people yeah. walking in. No, uh, certainly not. Uh, so uh, that's one of the many wonderful features of, of the, uh, the film spell. center. Yeah, exactly. And at the film center, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects. In a purpose-built venue designed to service individual client needs. As well, the Calgary Film Center delivers programs, like the Project Lab, to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. Find out more at calgaryfilmcenter.com, and let's head back to Swans of Inglewood to join Murray and the, and the gang. Uh, cool. So, uh, I guess, what w- this is a question that we don't often get to ask, but I just wanted to get your vibe on sort of as we wrap up. Yeah. What 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 do you think I know you've you've been doing a lot of work and thought into uh where the industry needs to go now. And I yeah. just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of dig into that and what, what what would your what would your words of wisdom be for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years, 20 years of Good question. And I and I hope and plan to still be involved in it the of next course, 10 yes, to 15 yeah. years. Uh, but I, and I have thought a lot about it, and you and I, Matt, have yeah, had these conversations yeah, yeah. Uh, fairly in depth. And, and I think a couple things. I think um, I think the Canadian film and television industry, Canadian t- film and television industry, uh, dependent on telefilm and uh, tax credits and incentives, is. Uh, very subsidized business mm-hmm, here in mm-hmm. Canada. Right. Uh, and again, I, uh, I've i worked on Canadian productions, but my experience has been more with American ones, but Canadian ones too. Sure. And don't get me wrong, I don't want the Canadian system or industry to be shut down. But I think because of the support it's got for so many years, yeah. as opposed to having uh, to literally contract somebody and have them killed to get a movie done, <laughs> yeah. I think has in many ways spoilt uh, filmmakers in this country and okay. producers in this country. Right. And I think that uh, there's a real dependency uh, to the extent that it's too much on uh, grants and telefilm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all of that. And it ends up making you soft 
and lazy. Well, because and, it could all go away, right? Yeah, like that's the it scary could all thing. Go away. And, and I think and, there's a good chance it will go yeah, away, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily. I think there still should be support. I think there still should be tax incentives. I think there still should be tax credits. But and I'm, I don't have a formula, but I think it right. should be looked at seriously with input from the industry, not right, just right, for sure. not just government saying, "Well, we're going to shut down Telefilm or we're going to shut down the Alberta Film Incentive or right. the BC tax credit." But but I think there should be a way where uh, creators and filmmakers that are Canadians have to get out and actively compete in the rest of the world. Right. Because there's so many movies made, and, and this goes, there can be American movies made that never see the light of day. There's thousands sure. of them uh, that people have scraped sure. money together from their parents and everybody yeah, else. Yeah. And they can't get a distributor. And it's not easy. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's an area there... And I'd love to be on a panel, and I'd be happy to be on one in Toronto or anywhere, where I think this needs to be really looked right, at right. because I think there is a, quite honestly, a sense of entitlement. Right. And, and, right. and I say that to you guys because I think the world of both of you, sure, sure. as filmmakers, and I think you're really entrepreneurial, and you're doing many things on your own, which is great. And you go down to Los Angeles and you set meetings with the distributors. Your casting director was from the United States. And I don't mean that there aren't great casting directors in Canada and Calgary. There are. But you've got to get out there and do that. It's a dependency I worry about, too. And there's a dependency that happens here that I see contributing to. And I think it ends up contributing to mediocrity, quite Mm -hmm, honestly, mm -hmm. uh, in the work. Um, And and a laziness. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think think it's... To me, what rings true, especially there, is that it's the difference in seeing filmmaking as culture versus commerce. Right. right. Um, and, you know, to be totally reliant on the government means that it has to be treated as a cultural industry. Right. Which doesn't which doesn't require you to put it through the same rigorous testing that a commercial product would need to right. survive in the market. Yeah. That's, a, so that's think, an interesting take. So I think there's it's the way that we need to be looking at it is commerce and you know a film set is a machine that produces shots that you assemble into a product for export with the help of the government just like the oil industry has just like any other industry has correct Mm -hmm. because the oil industry has incentives too of course they do yeah oh absolutely and i'm a big fan of the oil industries but i think i think if i talk about them and i have lots of friends like brad who i was mentioning about has don't take the paper out too early uh, the land uh, company, right. uh, lots of friends in the oil and gas. I don't want that to go away in Alberta, but the truth with their industry is, and I've said this to lots of my friends in the oil and gas business, that, that they have, they've had a gravy train for a long time, mm-hmm. and that is not $100 oil and is not coming back. Right, not happening again. It ain't happening again. So there's got to be different ways to do things. And sure, they have incentives too. And I, So I don't want you to throw that all away, but I think with input from people like us in the film industry – government and the private sector need to sit down and figure out how we can make this better. Right. Not just uh, because there's been companies built in this country, production companies, very successful ones who have done a lot of good work, but also let's face it. It's been, there's certain companies that have had a pipeline to the financing for sure in this country and they continue to go back to the trough right right? right. or have continued it's less so now so but why um, wouldn't you right as a producer if it's there of course their business model is based on accessing that trough not creating a product that sells totally so am i I right in interpreting that as saying you know what let's not at the snap of a finger, get rid of it. Right. But let's sort of wean ourselves off of that and fill the rest in with 
Yes. Good content that generates revenue, revenue yeah. yes. that is yeah. an economic stimulus. I um, think I think so. Somehow, yeah. And again, I don't claim to have all the answers. I continually think about it. But I think oil is the uh, same way. Like we yeah. we need to we need to transition off of oil because yeah. it's you know, totally. we, we need Diversify to get to run, but we can't high do tech. it in one day. No, it has no. to be, and it has to be done with intention and over some yeah. years. Yeah, so, yeah, no, we need like I'm in favor of the pipeline. That pipeline for sure. Build that stuff. for sure. Right. Yeah. Build it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, totally. You know, the yeah. mayor of Vancouver is saying there's, you know, there's, and I have friends in Vancouver probably think of, no, oh, you know, that's, there's, there's, I don't know, pick a number, 400 or 5,000 ships, uh, right. tankers yeah. a week in English Bay. Right. And guess what they're carrying? Yeah. And they're not, the mayor's not saying anything about that. Yeah, right. yeah. That strictly me is a tad more dangerous than it's true. Pipe Absolutely. Or, or the <laughs> trains that not least talking yeah. about buying. Yeah, yeah that's another crazy idea. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Pipelines are certainly the safest, yeah. but uh, yeah. So, so I think it's I think it's an interesting thought that and a conversation that it doesn't happen enough. Um, no, it doesn't happen enough. And, and and I I don't think getting rid of all incentives is the solution either no. because we still have to be competitive against other totally. jurisdictions. Totally. But um, but yeah, I think producers. I agree that need to learn to build a proper business that, yes. that generates revenue and work off of that revenue and totally. Yeah, totally. Because and, right now and, that's not and happening. Also, because you and I had a, an interesting discussion with a friend who's in the financing world right. uh, on the set, yeah. and he's looked seriously at the at the film industry as a potential, because he can bring investors. Right. And his words are, and he said them, I think, to you as well, Matt. Yeah. Um, I And he gave it a good look. There is no way that I can find right now in your industry, and he wasn't just talking about the Canadian mm-hmm. industry. Right. He's talking about the Hollywood United, and everything. You know, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot find a way where I can honestly say to 10 investors to each put $100,000 into this movie, and there's a way that you could potentially get your money back, not make a profit, just get your money back. Right. He said, I can't honestly say that to them. Or look them and in the face right. and co- with confidence yeah. say, it's true. Yeah. And Did, it's and it's you guys. It's, it's scary the truth. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Robin Hood yeah. just came out last yeah. weekend. Robin Hood, big movie, the star of Kinsman, yeah. and um, uh, who's the uh, the actor who played? Um, oh, I got now. I now I'm not remember Jamie Fox. Right. Uh, they uh, like big cast, big movie. Uh, like sort of a modern retelling, not set modernly, yeah. but like there's like you know like the, there's the bad guys have shields and they're like automatic uh crossbows and stuff. So, yeah yeah but but like could have been a cool movie could have been a huge movie and it right. made 9 million dollars over over a weekend and i think it's because there was no marketing campaign i didn't hear right. anything about it i don't know about until it. it was coming out yeah yeah, neither, yeah. yeah um but apparently it didn't get very good reviews but it's like if you, you, there is no perfect formula that just succeeds every time right except for maybe marvel apparently but. yeah yeah, but even that, you, you know, you could they could they could have a bomb anytime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'd like to ask you guys this because I thought about it after filming Jones and two, and somebody said sort of a version of this to me, and I thought it made sense, and that is um, a lot of times uh, indie filmmakers like yourselves who are very successful because you have your own corporate business as well, yeah, which yeah. I think is is really smart. Uh, making corporate videos and films for companies that pay you money, and then you make your own movies. And you've made two features in a short time, and that's quite a record. Um, but I, I think there is a tendency, I'll ask you this as a question, for young independent filmmakers to be in such a hurry to make a dramatic feature 
and they try to make it on the scale of a Heartland or a uh, pick one, a million dollar, like a big, yeah, multi million dollar, yeah. And they, but they try to do it with a hundred thousand mm-hmm, dollars, but still have the same size of crew, or not sure. even if it, even if it isn't the same size, sure. it's it's twenty people, right. it's not five, right? And nowadays, with such great gear, you can buy a mm-hmm. camera that is yeah, the size absolutely. of your phone for I don't know what twenty five hundred dollars or something. It's high quality, sure, sure, and. Make a movie with three people. High school students are doing it right now. As independent filmmakers, when it's your career, do you think that's a trap that uh, filmmakers get sucked into? And they think they've got to have 25 people on their crew when maybe Mm. Roger Corman built a business 80 years ago with five people on a crew Mm -hmm. when there wasn't iPhones. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think that is going to be sort of. I mean, there's there's just no absolutes in this business, so maybe right. maybe it'll work out. But but I think that would be a good recipe for a learning moment uh, where where it's that's a, that's a really challenging thing to do. But uh, I actually was talking about it as a commercial moment, not right, a learning right. moment. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I know, I know. I, I, and, I suggest that yeah. to say that that that's setting yourself up for failure is what I'm what I right, mean right, to say. Right, uh, but not necessarily. I mean, there right. there are certainly exceptions to that to that rule. Um, I mean, I would argue that think, I would argue that that's that was maybe a trap that we fell into. Oh, is that right? Well, I yeah, I didn't so. necessarily I mean, direct no, 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 you no, guys either. But, yeah, but you know, I mean, the point the point when we got our money for in plain view from Telefilm. You know, we only got a quarter million dollars, and we said we want this to feel like a two million dollar movie. Right, right. And there's posturing around that, and there is a legitimacy around creating something that looks like it was made with two million dollars. Yep. Um, maybe it would have been better, and and maybe saved us a lot of heartache to try to make a two hundred fifty thousand dollar movie. Oh, interesting. And and I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't but, know if we fucked but up. But that's or interesting. The ref- reflection, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. interesting and to it, even reflect on that. Right, and it's the know? same with Jones and trying to make a, a bigger movie than we had the money for. Yeah. Dylan, Dylan Pierce said an interesting thing on the on the uh, the uh, Calgary Film panel that he and I were on recently. Oh yeah, um, about how he doesn't necessarily believe that a bigger budget means everything's going to be easier, or that you have yeah. Oh well, you've right. got more more people that more people can mean more problems, more challenges. Yeah. Um, and I I would actually love to ch- chat with him on this podcast about that because I, I have sort of a different opinion, but I think he's right in in many ways. The answer is yes, though, Murray. I think you're absolutely right that you can shoot something really, really high quality with a little bit of money and a smaller crew. Um, and by smaller, I mean yeah, maybe it's six, five, six seven six people, people. Yeah. maybe less. Yeah, and there, you know, there's. Uh, I recommended a book called Independent Ed um, about Ed oh. Burns, who who is uh, about who? I, I think his name is Ed Edward Burns. Oh yeah, uh, who? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's an actor. Leverett. He's an actor. That's right. Yeah, too, yeah. He's an actor. He was in um, blind saving... guy with glasses and stuff. Uh, maybe no? oh, he was okay. in Saving Private Ryan, and he's okay. been he's been in a few big things. But he's made his own films yeah. with yeah with a crew of I think a sound person, a camera person, right? a and helper, an a- like and an yeah. actor. Or something. Yeah, yeah. So um, it can certainly be done and and done at a high quality level. So, Does so he, has he sold them? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, his first one was uh, the Brothers McMullen. Um, oh yeah, that's which a, did well. That's yeah. a good. Yeah, it would. That's it, like a real movie. Yeah, and he's he cast himself in it, of course. Um, and and yeah, I I, I think yeah, the crew is probably maybe ten people on that. So, yeah. um, it's uh, it's it's definitely a valid point, but you can't really make a Spider Man on no. on that. So it right. depends on the kind of film, uh, uh, of course. And I, and I think that's smart. And I guess what I was really getting to is, 
a lot of people then go to try to make the Spider-Man yes, yes, right. instead of make, right. like to your point, Scott, right. make make a movie that suits the, the, the money budget. you have yeah, right, yeah. Right. and the crew you have. Well, and the word the word that you said to me that really um, hit home was rush. Oh. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, how filmmakers rush to make this yeah. big movie. And I think there's something, there's a lot of wisdom in that about having patience with um, a career. Right. Right. Yeah, it's you know, your we, career. We, I think if someone had told me graduating state that it would be ten years before I directed my first feature, I would have probably panicked. Yeah. Right. Um, or you would have said, "Oh, they're uh, foolish." Bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. Or, yeah, you yeah. know, I was expecting Spielberg to yeah. call when I graduated. Yeah, we and, all do. I did the same sure. thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, for sure. And right. understanding that it takes time, and you, you yeah. need to have patience with the process, and yeah. understand that you you have no idea how much you still have yeah. to learn. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, for sure. D- for sure. Dietrich Kalen in your uh, one of your earlier podcasts, which I just listened to today, which I love her. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's and I want to hire her on uh, everything. Uh, something on everything <laughs> for sure. And, and will. Um, she said, I thought a cool thing about uh, when you asked her, Matt, about uh, how did she get I- into doing bigger stuff? And she talked about being uh, on an on-set wardrobe yeah, person, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And just really, she said, what all I did was, you know, push the cart around with the wardrobe and make sure that yeah. the extras put, put the pants on their legs and right. the shirt on their back <laughs> right. um, and, and keep track of things and know your position and... Uh, she said, basically, you're standing in the back of the gymnasium, but you can see everything. And I thought that was really wise mm-hmm. on her part. Yeah. Because uh, it's true. Yeah. yeah. And she was saying she she treasured that time because she learned a lot instead right. of just... And, and she got thrown in early, sure, on some smaller productions to be the wardrobe designer. But then when she worked on bigger stuff, she went back right. to... Knowing her place. It's right. like the master servant. It's like uh, making tea for right. Dusty Simons. Right? Yeah, it's like, a unique yeah. business in that yeah. sense, right? Like sometimes, like I, I know, certainly in the indie world, I, I remember hearing like, oh, I I was in charge of, I was a production designer on this. And then I move over and one of the people who was working for me is the production designer on right. this. Yeah, they're right. my boss now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is it is a unique industry as well. I I often warn sort of students and new people when to the industry. When you talk to them at Sade or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that, that like, there's not a lot of, it's not an easy ladder to climb because it's such a small community. Yep. Openings don't happen very often. And when they do, it's like they get filled quickly. And, yep. um, but there's also another side of the coin. Like I would, I would look at, um, our, our DIT on Jones and, right. um, Rodrigo being in the right place at the right time is also part of it because totally. you, you know what? Now he's the editor on the, the next thing that we helped shoot the web right. series. And just because I was like, he's there, he's here. Yeah. I know he's good. He, totally. He's got the equipment, totally. good to go. Uh, um, and so that kind of thing can happen too. And yeah, so when you're standing at the back of the gymnasium, sometimes you're the one who's like, I'm the only one here. You're the you're the assistant. Yeah. This now, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. And to be to take advantage of that moment too is right. a, is another thing, and not be casual about it because it may not come again right. for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it plays back to a lot of the stories that you told where you have no idea where it's going to come from. No. Right. You have no idea that, you know, because you know Jack. Right. That it's going to, you know, he's going to come up and call, give you a call again. And suddenly you're, you know, in a helicopter with Clint Eastwood. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's really true. And I think I think also to your point, Matt, about taking advantage of those moments mm-hmm. and recognizing them and not be scared of them. Right. Even if you're uh, I think Dietrich said another cool thing about um it was in reference to faking it till you make it, right? Where she right. talked about, um, uh, you know, just being bold, like her first uh, wardrobe designing 
position in theater was at Vertigo Theater, which is a substantial theater company in Calgary. And Mark Bellamy, who is a substantial theater director in Calgary, she just decided she wanted to... She'd been doing some smaller things and had graduated from ACAD, and she was working at the Auburn Saloon, and she decided one day, she said, that she wanted to get an opportunity to be a wardrobe designer on a play. Right, right. And she phoned Mark Bellamy and asked him for lunch. Right. And he said, funny you call me, because I guess he knew of her a bit or something, Yeah. because I've been thinking about you and uh, was wondering if you might be interested. And he hired her to, to design the next right. play they were doing. <laughs> wow. Now, if she hadn't phoned, right. yeah. that wouldn't have happened. Because he might yeah. not have phoned her. He right. might have so true. Somebody I talk else. about it a lot, too. Top yeah. of mind, just staying top of totally. mind. Totally. And in, I say that yeah. to our girls all the time. Robin, our oldest daughter, who's just—they're both really fine actresses and singers—and I just encourage them to get when they're in a situation. If they're at Swan's restaurant and bar, and it's a film function like you had here a couple weeks ago with fifty people, and you guys are here, go up and talk, say hi totally. to you. Right? Absolutely, yeah. it's not yeah. like you're asking Matt Waterworth. Or Scott Westby for a job right. in the right, Swan's not, yeah. Rescue, no, just yeah. saying hi. Get on my, the radar. My name's Absolutely. Rod, Robin. Right. And Ward, we feel, you remember me? I helped yeah. my dad out on Joan. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you forgot her or something. But, sure. Oh, and, yeah, I do. And, you know, I just wanted to stay in touch with you if you ever need a hand. Totally. You know, as an office PA. And maybe you need an office PA, not not on a movie, but on a corporate video you're shooting for sure, a, yeah, for, for, sure. a, yeah. for a trucking company yeah, right, you yeah. know? don't bring the paper out just yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and the same is true for for us as well like going to LA or going to Toronto yeah. like like we're trying to stay top of mind in yeah, other decision makers exactly yeah. exactly and sometimes those meetings go somewhere and sometimes they don't but if and you sometimes don't they go out, somewhere 10 years later totally yeah, yeah. totally yeah. totally yeah. or or the person you're talking to in Los Angeles Matt maybe nothing they've got nothing for you but you leave the office and they have a friend who phones them for, who's an independent yes, filmmaker totally, in Los yeah. Angeles who's looking for somewhere buddy to partner with on a sure. movie in Canada because he's heard there's tax credits yeah. and and the persons from the studio says well call these guys they were just yeah. in my office yeah, yeah, yeah. right <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's nothing to do with you talking <laughs> no to of course yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had, I had a phone call with a screenwriter from Toronto yesterday and she was pitching me a lot of stuff and there was a lot of tween content in there yeah. and, and I said we don't make that but but I know someone who makes a lot of that right. stuff you should reach out to them and chat with them exactly and that's you know that's uh, I hey, think hey there's Nadina <laughs> come on over here we'll interview you, you could, for you a second you can bother us yeah. <laughs> come on we're doing this podcast here comes Nadine <laughs> Nadina <laughs> Stainsby, the owner of Swan's Restaurant, who was this so is the Alberta fantastic podcast. to uh, comment. What is a what is a podcast? You, the, you don't listen to podcasts? No. Oh wow! Okay. Can she? They hear her? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have a like leisure like you gentlemen. Right. Yeah. I love to spend my days. Well, actually, this is true. Sitting, sitting, sitting with, with sitting and chatting with Murray yeah. and a beer. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Especially a pub that you own. <laughs> yeah. No, this is cool because this is a podcast that. Um, Matt and Scott do, which I didn't know they did, and I just heard the first one today. They've done a hundred of them with people in the film industry. We've done just ninety-nine. About, this is episode one hundred yeah, right now. Yeah, and so they're chatting chat to me about the business, and we referred to you a couple times. I said, "Why don't we do it at Nadina's uh, restaurant?" Yeah, we're turning your place into we're, a film. Yeah, Matt, we're yeah. turning Swans into a film hub, but, but it has been in the past since forever and ever. Well, right. actually, not so much. Fi well, film, I guess, a little bit, but mostly theater. theater. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and TV too. Yeah. You had a pretty big show come in and shoot. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, um, well, we had Fargo. 
That was kind of big. Right. <laughs> did they shoot? Did they shoot in in Swans or did yes, they shoot? Yes, they the... shot um, season three, episode one. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you told me about that. I remember. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what was that all like? For it you? was um, for me. It was the most boring day of my life, right. quite frankly. <laughs> um, I thought because I thought I was going to be clever. I thought I'd come in and be able to do some work because I was going to be going on a big epic vacation. So I needed to catch up on some book work. So, but they had the little trolley and cameras in front of my office store and so it turned out I was the only person in the building not being paid oh. <laughs> and you were trapped I was trapped right. out of my office right. yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 so, so uh, this is really interesting to me because you know we talk we talk to Murray all the time about dealing with with a location owner and what the best practices are but what you've had a few people come and shoot here and what what makes a difference to you as far as being approached from from a film production or a TV or theater what matters to you, I guess, when you have those conversations? As an owner, As an owner yeah, yeah, yeah. The other side of the coin here, which we never get well, to talk to. Well, um, I, I find... Um, you can be real candid yeah, here, because totally they swear on this yeah. and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Okay, so I found... Because I did... I let um, uh, somebody from APTN come in, and they mm-hmm. filmed on the pub site a long time ago and I just let them in in the morning and they filmed all morning till we actually opened and they didn't pay me anything but they were so nice right and I was like happy to do it because you know I'm about paying it forward you know um and um and, I, and Swan's got opened because I could, could couldn't find a job. Right. It's not like I was looking to make a million. I think that's I was like most people in the looking film industry, to be yeah. employed. Yeah. <laughs> so um so I found I'm working with um the with Fargo. Um, interesting because they kind of feel like they can put a money band aid on everything. Right. Oh, they told they can. They can. And so, but you know what? They still lost one of my signs. So I don't know. And you know, um, it was kind of an old sign that I can't get anymore. Right. And so, and so, so right. money that didn't sucks. actually yeah. fix that. Yeah. And right. I still have yeah. partially green walls, and that yeah. fucking pisses me off. To right. be quite honest. <laughs> You're talking about about care. Matt's saying yeah. this is what Murray's talking about with the care. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I've always found as a location manager for sure that uh, it's really important the relationship that you develop with uh, the owners of or property owners or ranchers or who, pick pick one. Yeah. Whoever it is, it's a it's a relationship, not just uh, um, uh, as you said, a money Right. It's got there's got to be a connection, I think, somehow. Well, I think so too. And with Fargo, they had this one guy that he was um big guy at set deck and he they flew him for, in from Winnipeg. He was awesome. Like the locations guy, Rob was awesome. Great. Rob Hilton. Yeah. Yeah, he is Who, great. So Who, great. Yeah. Yeah, he and is, then, he is great. um and then their set deck guy from Winnipeg. Right. right. Awesome guy. Yeah. Because it's a big deal to have a film come and shoot here. It's not like it's, you know, a camera it's guy. It's an intrusion. It's a, a huge You no know what how though? You look at they it. were like, okay, let me just see. So season one was filmed across the road. Right. Where Notorious Hair Salon is now. Sure. Used to be the insurance agency for season one. And they were more intrusive not being in my pocket than they were on here. the day that they shot here. Because right. the day that they shot here, we had a plan. So I knew they were going to be right. here. Yeah. But when they filmed across the road, it was 
forever that whole winter. Right. It was mind blowing. They were so ignorant. Yeah. And so at nighttime they'd have like big lights because they were still filming day shit. And so they'd have all these. And so you couldn't sit in here. You needed sunglasses, like really? welding goggles. Cause right. it was like, yeah. So I'd have to go over and tell them, you know, you guys, can you put some screens up? Yeah. That'd be real nice. <laughs> and they, and then they would get all in a tizzy. And then, um, when they, um, were blowing, Fake snow. It's like potato. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like a starch. Anyways, um, that was kind of funny because the whole crew, they filmed all night and everything. And then the whole crew came in after and had some beers here, but they left potato on our floor. Oh, that's so good. Because it's on their boots. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, oh. And that sticks. You can't get scrapers. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, yeah. And so when they showed up the next day to film, I was like, can you guys? Let me know of whom I need to call because we need our floors like yeah. scraped yeah. or something. So they were pretty good about coming and good. coming and doing good. that. Well, and okay. I I find that there's not follow up. Yeah, if that they're yeah. good about getting location, they're good about doing the yeah. filming, they're good about that. But you know what? The next day there was no more snow piled against my building. Yeah, but they could have come and swept up their gravel because we had like sandbars right. basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was an, and then the same thing when they filmed here. Nobody followed up with yeah, us. Yeah, they should. They, they still that, haven't got the sign. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. didn't that, come and check to should, make sure the painting was done okay. That should, that should be done. Like, so there's not follow up, yeah, I feel. There should be, always. Yeah. And, and a relationship maintained, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. So that's my two cents, Ben. <laughs> no, that's, we were talking about all that stuff <laughs> earlier. And mm. so it's just great to kind of hear that reinforced. Yeah, from, from mm. uh, an owner's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Or, you know, even if you had a contact in contact info so that you could cause, follow up. Uh, if, fo- yeah. Because when you came, I have your contact info yeah. and I know I could pick up the phone any totally, day totally. and phone hey, you and say, hey, gravel, yeah. you know, something. this is missing. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so but I, sure. I don't have the contact. It never had the contact info for Far- Fargo. OK. And so and there was never follow up either. Yeah. So it was just like, OK, yeah. now what do I do? Yeah, right. they, they, that should always happen because. Our responsibility is we live here as well, and we, we want to make sure mm-hmm. that we have a friendly relationship. I don't think that all the Fargo people lived here, though. Yeah, right. No, but the and locations department pro- should have um, figured that out because mm. they're usually from here. Maybe right. they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're still letting films come and shoot here. Absolutely. So you're not, you've not been burned yet. That's the that's the number one rule. In the no, you know what? You just learn. These are all just yeah. valuable lessons, right. don't you think? Yeah. And a and cool it, thing that happened, I, I just learned is. Um, Matt, they held their film or their film uh, Stinger Awards. Yeah, Stinger and then they Awards. all yes, came over here. Hall, that's right. Yeah, that's good. Did you know they were coming here? Yes, because oh, we had started Matt an email oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. that's how totally that's cool. how I knew. Yeah, because I was asking Matt. I said, did any of the people who were at the the Stinger Awards know about Swans? And he said, I don't really think so. So it's cool that they did because maybe that can lead to. That's the kind of thing we want to promote, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other things, like you used to have theater people. Yeah. yeah. And we still get some of them intermittently, but it's just so different. Well, and also we've been open for 23, 24 yeah. years, I guess. So and those theater the people theater people are now... Got older. And, got yeah. older. Like now they're like big wigs, not so much acting so much as they're, you know, head of Theater Calgary yeah. or whatever they are. <laughs> and so, um, so, and busier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just very quickly, give us give us a bit of a plug for Swans. 
Oh my what goodness! Is it? What's so delicious? What's so delicious? Because you, 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 yeah. you serve food. Yeah, yeah, yeah we serve hiss. food. We've got great food. Our chef's outstanding. It's like a traditional sort of traditional Canadian take on a British pub with um, food that Canadian British pub goers like. You know, right. bangers and mash, traditional, but on the same token, some pastas and pizzas. And yeah, your pizzas so good. good. Yeah. For sure. Homemade soup. Everything's homemade. So that would be my plug. Love we it. make everything on premise. Well, thank you for hosting us, by the way. That was, it was very oh. kind of you in both occasions. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, so so you're so the message to the listeners is, you know, be be kind, take care of the location, but you're open to hearing from more filmmakers. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. I think it's great. Awesome. And um, yeah. And there's always locations, right? Like sure. I have a farm in the country if anyone oh, okay. needs to all right, all right. film in the sticks, right. or nice. um, and I and I think that fundamentally, I don't think the film and arts get enough support, mm. and I don't think it always comes down to money. I think a lots of times it comes down to other resources. Other, yeah, other yeah resources. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so I agree. Yeah. I and I believe in paying it forward. So. Nice. Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, thanks for popping in. That's fair. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, how, how, how perfect. No, it was wonderful timing. Absolutely. Uh, so, again, wrap, wrapping up here, Murray. Um, yeah. What is, uh, because we've gone, oh, this is by far the longest episode, uh, <laughs> or two cool, or eh? three. Nadine had just yeah, happened that was to fun. come yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This circles back to me, to, to a theme that we've kind of been having this whole time, which I, to me I feel like is your universal lesson. Right. And I, can't, I cannot count how many names you've said in this episode that might not mean anything to anybody who's right. listening. Um, but that to me goes to the core of your character, mm -hmm. which is about people. Right. So tell me about, about that. And it's so wonderful that this kind of, this to me is a, Nadina coming and sitting down is the perfect yeah, example. It's an that. example yeah. of hundreds of relationships that you have. True. That, well, and she's it's saying, true. you know, oh, now now we know that she's got a farm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is film friendly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I, she actually told me that, uh, and I forgot to mention it to you guys, but it's true for me for sure. People, and I find that in anything I do, I'm, you know, I know a lot of people in this community, in this province, in this country, in the United States, and it's all about relationships. Whether uh, I know people in the sports world at a fairly high level. I know people in the ranching world that mm -hmm. own major ranches and small little one horse ranches. So, um, uh, I, it really is all about relationships. And I think in any business, you guys, yeah. or any, uh, life, uh, it's about, uh, the people, you know, mm. and, uh, and so staying true, yeah. connected yeah. with them and, and opportunities can come from that. That's how we, exchange between each other whatever you do and if you do it honestly and do it in a in a way that uh, is sincere um and uh uh not uh, bringing out the paper right, right yeah, away the paper. Uh, <laughs> it uh you know and it doesn't always have to come you may reconnect with somebody you've had a relationship uh two years ago and you may re reconnect them two years later and uh it may not have anything to do with any business you want to do. Right, with right, right. Like yeah. I will certainly be coming back to Swans and bring our family and we'll have drinks and would love to sit down with Nadina and have a beer. So, uh, and it would have nothing to do with making anything. a movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Um, I don't. I think we'll have to have you on again. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's much more to talk about, but uh, but for now, thank you for being here. 
congratulations on a wonderful career um that so continues far, yeah. yes yeah. yeah uh that's the yeah that's why we, we, we you know we created this award called the friend of the community award yeah uh because we don't want you know lifetime achievement award is like oh you're you're done now yeah exactly uh, that's far, something far i made from it. clear yeah. to ampia <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. as David long Billington as i'm you're not putting me out it. to pasture <laughs> right yeah, yeah. <laughs> well thank you marie appreciate it thanks very much matt and and really great to work with both of you i think the world of you you're of very course. talented guys right back at and you and you're good people and uh we'll uh Work together some yeah, more. Yeah, we'll get you on the next And one. have a beer together for no particular reason. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Damn. There it is, folks. What, what a guy. So what glad to uh, to have the, uh, those stories on tape. I, I'm not... I, I I don't even know which episode it fell into, but that Clint Eastwood story is just the bomb. And I've, I'd heard it before, but I forgot that Clint flew the helicopter. Yeah, there's like little details <laughs> like that. I forgot that detail, which is yeah. hilarious and amazing. Um so yeah, Imagine just like working like at a you know a little cafe kind of thing, and then yeah. Clint Eastwood comes in, sits down, eats a sandwich, and yeah, and then takes off in a helicopter, and yeah. flies himself away in a helicopter. <laughs> uh, no one would ever believe you. Yeah, yeah, unreal. unreal. No one would ever believe that story. And, and I mean, the, the other happy ending when it comes to uh, economic stimulus and in, in the industry is he came and shot that film in Alberta after after that scout. So right, that's very cool. Yeah, and so you know Murray called you know the producers quite enterprising to go out. And just steal that business. Yeah. <laughs> right? They, that's what they <laughs> yeah. did. They found out he was going to be C and they yeah, just went out and said, nope, we want it. And I think, you know, there's a lesson to be learned there uh, among many from Murray's conversation. Just about that enterprising spirit. Yeah. You know, and, and being proud of our province and, and having the confidence that we can execute your next project with ease. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right? We've got, we've got what we need here to do it. Um, and what, what we need is, is more producers who are willing to <laughs> just be that ballsy to go out and do that kind of right, thing. Right, right. Because that's how you get business a lot of the time. Is, for is sure, that kind for of sure. Thing. So, yeah, thanks, Marie. Um, and know. a timely conversation, too, as, yeah. we, as we head into, uh, you know, a lot of members of our community are, are wanting to make some changes to uh, the incentives we have here. Um, and there's an election coming up, so yep, there's a lot absolutely. of... Uh, a lot of conversation about diversification in general in, in Alberta. So, yeah, and, and um, the, the industry as you know an economic driver and yeah, and yeah. and and Murray spoke a little bit about that as well. And uh, and I think uh, good good words to heed as we uh, maybe enter a new phase uh, of the Alberta production world in the next year or two. Totally, and and uh, a great a perfect segue, Matt, into our tip of the week from Bleeding Art Industries. Oh, do tell. Yeah, totally. So the, you know they sponsor the news you can use every week with a tip, and this week's tip is a call to action. Uh, which I'm so, so behind. Um, so for years, there has been a disconnect between the economic impact of the film industry here and what grassroots Albertans and many politicians understand about this impact. It appears that once again, we need to be writing our MLAs to underscore it's important as an economic driver. We at Bleeding Art remember a time when 13 productions were shooting at the same time and we were working on seven to eight of them. Anyone working now knows that for a number of years, that time has passed. However, the impact is still great on a number of levels, and it is up to each and every one of us to write those letters. When you're shooting a film, think about the spin-off benefits to you, your family, your crew, local businesses, and your suppliers. Talk about how the money stays in the province. Paint a picture of what it will look like without it. Government wants to diversify. Cutting film funding is the exact opposite. Plead your case. Don't go quietly. Now is the time. Those are some powerful words. Yes, yeah. Sure. I think uh, I think the rallying cry is is happening, and uh, and it behooves us all to to get our voices heard. And, and completely agree. Yeah, and there's a lot going on. Conversation. Listen for you know an episode coming up with Damien Petty about mm-hmm. uh, IATSE and and the, the you know they're spearheading a huge initiative. Uh, 
as far as chatting with the government of Alberta. They've already had some success with this, but you know, listen for that because there, you know, there, there is, there is benefit to having an industry that while we might not agree on all points, there is a general message that we can all be kind of putting forward to the government about recognizing the economic impact. And uh, yes, it's a cultural industry, but it's an economic industry first and foremost. Right. It's full of professionals. Absolutely. So yeah, um, you know, stay tuned for more info about that. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid to write a letter. Um, well, and it's not, and it's not like we're doing something new. It's not no. like it's not like uh, take a risk on on the film industry. It's no. like look at Ontario, look at BC, look at Georgia. Yeah, look and at Ma- New Mexico. I mean, you know, like yeah, totally. Like, like uh, these can be Louisiana. Massive, yeah, there, there's clear. You know, there are clear sort of. People have crossed this bridge before. We, we can, we can. No shame in copying <laughs> yeah, what's working and, for and other people. It doesn't. It's not a risk, really. If you've exactly. got, if you've got the pieces that you need to put this puzzle together, which we do, um, it just takes, it just takes that extra push of government support yeah. to make it happen. Yeah, totally. So we can totally get there. Um, but we uh, need everybody. You know, we need a strong voice to be calling for it. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of government support, uh, Canada, uh, Canadian we are heritage. Just rolling on these <laughs> there you go. Like yeah, segue to segue to segue. Uh, Canadian heritage is seeking applications for the latest round of Creative Export Canada funding. Organizations owned and controlled by Canadians are eligible to apply for projects directly impacting such creative industries as audiovisual and interactive digital media. Deadline is December 7th uh, for projects with expenses starting between April 1, uh, 2019 and March 31, 2020. Uh, more details are available in the show notes. The deadline is coming up right away for the NSI Online Short Film Festival. So if you've got a short film that has been completed uh, as more recently than January 1st, 2013, uh, and it's under 30 minutes long, you can submit through Film Freeway. Uh, films that meet awards criteria are eligible for the $1,250 a Short Filmmakers Award for Best Film. So it's a great way to, to make uh, a little bit of money and get some more attention for a film, even if it was released you know, up to over five years ago. Uh, of course, the shorter the better. Uh, drama, comedy, animation, documentary, sci-fi, horror, music video, and experimental are all eligible. Uh, but of course, you have to be a Canadian writer, director, or producer. So uh, link to that in the show notes to find out more. Just a couple of days left to apply to the Alberta Artist in Residence uh, being put on by the Alberta Foundation for the Arts. Uh, an opportunity for up to $75,000 in funding uh, for... Uh, project or for uh, this artist in residence program that uh, Alberta Culture and Tourism um, is looking to kind of tour around the province, uh, among many other things. So check out the link in the show notes for more information on that. Deadline is December 10th at 11.59 p.m. This comes up once a quarter uh, for good reason because Luma Quarterly, which is uh, a publication uh, put on by M Media and the CSIF, uh, is now has a call out for submissions. So if you want to contribute to this uh, quarterly publication, uh, it's an online publication. It's great. You should check it out anyway, um, but you can, of course, contribute to it. So they accept pitches and previously unpublished finished works that aim to expand critical dialogue about media art and film. Submission formats can include but are not limited to essays, news, reviews, event previews, interviews, reflections, and photo or video essays. They must address culturally relevant film and media art productions, events, and ideas with preference being given to Western Can uh, Canadian writers and topics. Uh, the deadline for that is coming up December 14th, uh, and successful contributors will receive an honorarium of $200 per submission per issue. So check it out at lumaquarterly.com slash submissions. And submissions are now open for the Gil Cardinal Legacy Fund. Launched in 2016, the Gil Cardinal Legacy Fund is awarded each year to an emerging Aboriginal filmmaker toward the preparation of a, pre- uh, of a professional demo or sizzle reel 
to help a project in development. In addition to this groundbreaking, uh, in addition to his groundbreaking work as a writer and director, including the 1987 NFB documentary Foster Child and the television series Blackstone, Gil personally took part in outlining the criteria for this award before his passing in 2015. Gemini winner and David Billington Award recipient, uh, Gil Cardinal often tackled intensely personal subjects, a quality shared by previous fund recipients, Heather Hatch and Daniel Foreman. Uh, the grant is valued at $2,500 and will be awarded to a filmmaker developing a feature film, short film, documentary, web, mobile, or television project. And to be eligible, an applicant for, for the fund must be an emerging Aboriginal producer or director who has resided in Alberta for the past two years. The submission deadline is December 14th. Uh, and decisions will be announced in February of 2019. And there's also a link to check out more information about the fund. Fava is very uh, busy right now. They got a lot of deadlines coming up. There's a scholarship um, and there's a production grant. And then there's, of course, their awards uh, submissions are open as well. So if you're um, in Edmonton or Northern Alberta and you're not a Fava member, you should become one because it's a wonderful organization. Uh, it's really important to the film community uh, in Calgary as well, um, even though it's an Edmonton organization. Uh, any FAVA, and FAVA member in good standing is eligible to apply for uh, the awards of excellence for a completed work for FAVA Fest. The deadline is coming up January 7th at midnight or one minute before midnight. And uh, if you've got something that isn't finished, uh, but you want to apply for a production award, you could submit uh, for a grant application for new work uh, before January 14th. So yeah, FAVA Fest is coming up. They're thinking ahead. Um, and you can find out more information on how to do that in the show notes or visit fava, F-A-V-A And of course, their POV scholarship. Um, they're offering film study scholarships to improve access. Many people have talents that go unrecognized or underutilized. Uh, and some barriers to inclusion such as socioeconomic status, ethnicity, gender, age, national origin, disability, sexual orientation, education, and religion are varied and can sometimes keep people from participating in and contributing to the arts. Um, and if you feel like that, that you fit into that category and structural barriers and circumstances like these are preventing you from pursuing your filmmaking aspirations, that is what this POV scholarship is all about. It might be a resource for you. So it's a, in the scholarship is included a, one, uh, a free one-year FAVA membership, tuition fees for one of FAVA's media arts programs, uh, which is awesome. Like, you know, it's several hundred dollars and can really no doubt, yeah. get you into the, the filmmaking landscape. Uh, they're currently ac accepting applications for their intro to screenwriting, uh, their main course, and their video kitchen, which are kind of the the all-in, uh, you know, make a short film, learn how to do everything courses. So the deadlines for those uh, are kind of throughout January. Uh, we encourage you to check out a link to the sh in the show notes uh, and find out how to apply for those. So the time has come again for the Telephone Talent to Watch program, which we talk about every year. And... Um just in the in the interest of time, I would encourage anyone who might be interested in applying. We've got a couple of uh, episodes, in, including uh, one with, uh, uh, at the time, executive director of the CSIF, uh, Barry Thorson, and yeah. uh, a telephone representative as well, um, who uh, give us sort of the inside scoop in right. applying to uh, to that fund, uh, as well as ourselves talking about our, our application. Yeah, we talk about it all the time because it's how we got our first feature film. Exactly, made. exactly. It's a huge opportunity um, not to be squandered. Uh, totally. But, but uh, I'll let you dig into that uh, as you would like. What I want to highlight here is just the, uh, the few changes uh, that have happened this year. Um, one of them being that it used to be that you had to sort of be a recent alumni or uh, a member. Uh, yeah. yeah, or a festival alumni or, or a member of a film community um, to apply. Now that now that requirement seems to, to not apply to all three applicants right. in the producer, writer, director positions. 
but just uh, one of them it actually says specifically, I believe just the, the director. director has yeah. to be um, an alumni, recent alumni or, or long, longer term member of the film cooperative. So in the case of FAVA or CSIF, uh, who are both partners um, in the organization, it, you know, previously all three members should really be members for members six or months yeah. or whatever their yep. requirement is. Now it's really just the requirement uh, that the director is. Of course, it's a bonus if you are uh, right. a member yeah. of the. Yeah, these, these organizations still act as filters and, and exactly, you know, they will yeah. make their recommendations to tell them. Exactly. Um, hint, but uh, no longer but a requirement. Not which is a cool. must. You know, yes. They're opening it up to a broader community. For exactly. Sure, so. Um, uh, it used to be as well that the indigenous component was sort of some a separate piece that I think partners would have to uh, specifically request to be a part of. Right now, it seems like all uh, all of the um, uh, partners can now accept um, indigenous um, projects projects yeah. through through the indigenous kind of funnel. If if you're not familiar, there are a few different uh, routes to take uh, with this, but indigenous is one. And then one final uh, change is just that um, there are some new partners um, uh, in, uh, to reach out to more um, uh, more. They're, they're just trying to make it more accessible to more filmmakers yeah, throughout exactly. Canada. Yeah. So, um, and additionally, the, the CSF is already accepting submissions and the requirements can also be reviewed in the link uh, below on the show notes. I'm not sure if FAVA has gotten theirs out yet, but um, you're going to want to find their their specific guidelines right. as well as telefilms. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, really, it's kind very of a much a two-phase thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and telefilms uh, application window, so when the partners need to be recommending, is between February 18th and 25th. 2019. So I'd imagine that the deadlines, uh, you know, to put a feature film application together takes a lot of work. And those deadlines are probably coming up pretty quickly um, so that the partner organizations can review every all, all the materials. So I would recommend uh, if you haven't started on an application, it's probably a good time to do so. Check out those guidelines. Um, and you could be shooting a feature film next year. Absolutely. Because of this program. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, link, link in the show notes to more information about all that. Well, and, and really, it's, you know, you, you somebody will be shooting a feature film uh, likely yes. through, you know. Yes, uh, absolutely. Some years there are more Alberta projects than others, but there's always at least one. So. Yeah, and I know they're increasing the number, you know, and, and State is now a, a partner organization as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there's going to be more applications coming to Telefilm through um, Alberta. So to actually, me, I actually sent fired a question over to to say to see if they were in this round. I hope they are. I haven't seen anything yet, but um, right. keep an eye out for that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a cool event coming up. It's called An Intimate Evening with April Mullen. And this is put on by Herland and CSIF. Um, and April Mullen is a director, and she'll be sharing her journey from humble beginnings of self-generated independent films all the way to directing award-winning feature films like Below Her Mouth. Uh, and it hits television series uh, like Lethal Weapon, The 100, and Calgary's own Winona Earp. This is happening on December 8th, which is Saturday this week. Um, and it's made possible thanks to the Status of Women Community Grant. This is happening at the Commons Calgary, which is uh, downtown Calgary. It's doors open at 6.30. Snacks, pop, and water are complimentary. Delicious. Cash bar uh, for wine, which is only $2 a glass. Yes, please. Parking is available on-site for free. Uh, and the event itself is free, although registration is required because seating is limited. You can check out more. Um, it's, it's actually a Facebook event. We've got a link to that in the show notes, but you can just probably search uh, Intimate Evening with April Mullen on Facebook to find it. Uh, the FAVA Holiday Hangout is happening Wednesday, December 19th, uh, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Drop by FAVA on December 19th for a casual holiday hangout. Uh, they'll have some snacks, and it will be very informal. But come by and say hello before the holidays are upon us. 
Uh, the Edmonton Screen Media Holiday Party is coming up. It's happening on Thursday, December 20th from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. This will be at Yellowhead Brewery, and it'll have live music, hot and cold canapes, and a cash bar serving beer and highballs. Um, it is limited space, uh, but the tickets are free. So there's a link um, that we'll share in the show notes where uh, you can click if you plan on attending, just to RSVP. Ampia is a co-sponsor of this event, but so are uh, the Edmonton Screen Industries Office, ACTRA Alberta, DGC Alberta District Council, Teamsters Local 362, Edmonton Arts Council, ATB, uh, FAVA, Doc Alberta, Interactive Association of Alberta, and Women in Film and Television of Alberta, WIFTA. So that's a lot of organizations. There's going to be a lot of really cool people there. Uh, So if you're in Edmonton or area, we totally recommend uh, checking out this party. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Heading into the screenings um, uh, section of the show, uh, we've got our uh, Bob Probert documentary uh, screening coming up on Friday, December 14th at 7 p.m. Wait. Am I wrong about that? Uh, yes. That's when it that's, that's when it premieres on on Super Channel. Right. My mistake. Uh, the actual Plaza screening, uh, Plaza Theater screening here in Calgary, Alberta, is happening Saturday, December eighth at six thirty p.m. Um, it's going to be cool. Uh, obviously, if, if you're if you're not uh, if you're not familiar, um, it's a, it's a hockey movie, um, which we're uh, it seems to be a popular topic in I Alberta agree, documentaries yeah. these yeah. days. Um, and this one uh, sounds like it's going to be uh, quite an interesting event and, and uh, based on a number one best-selling um, uh, book called Tough Guy, My Life on the Edge. Um, you know, co-written by uh, Kirsty McClellan Day, who is uh, part of the Pyramid Productions right, world. Um, so uh, very much, a, 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 you know, an Alberta film. So um, check it out, uh, of course, on Super Channel if you can't uh, get to the screening. But you can also go to toughguymovie.com for more information and tickets. Uh, a company of rogues uh, in Calgary is putting on a screenwriting workshop with none other than Jason Long, who is a prolific screenwriter and probably one of the best in the province to learn from. Um, you will learn the essentials of screenplay craft, which includes story, structure, plot, character, conflict, and theme. And you can apply this to a project that you wish to develop. Uh, writers will have the opportunity to share their own work and receive feedback if they want it. Um, you'll also explore things like the differences between writing for film and TV. What is a plot point? How do you get a script into the hands of, the, of a producer? Uh, Etc. So this is happening um, over 10 weeks starting this Saturday, December 8th. And it runs until March 2nd. Of course, there are some weeks off uh, during December for Christmas. From 2.30 to 4.30 p.m. Uh, every Saturday, uh, you can visit corogues.com uh, or click on the link for more information about that. Still shooting in uh, in uh, the province here, Secret History of the Wild West TV series, uh, Tenfold, the Disney feature, and Ming's Dynasty web series uh, that's shooting uh, until December 15th. Pyramid Productions, which is just a wonderful, magical place <laughs> in Calgary. Speaking of which, another yeah, segment. Another, yeah, I'm, I'm just so jealous of that building. We walk it's in, amazing, it's like, I yeah. wish someday to be this. <laughs> it is the it is the perfect playground like, for a filmmaker. Yeah, it's like a yeah. real studio. Yeah, um, yeah. It's lovely. And uh, they are looking for an accountant slash bookkeeper. Not an accountant, I should say, so a bookkeeper who can do accounting. Um to work in their television production uh, wing. Duties will include basic accounting procedures from accounts payable and receivable systems, financial statements, budgets, bank reconciliations, GST. If you know these words, then uh, you might be eligible to <laughs> apply for this. You must have at least five years of accounting experience. Ideally, you know how to work with ACPAC. And if you know what that is, you now know more than I do. There you go. Um, experience within payroll. Of course, you have to know Excel, uh, good time management. 
skills, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is all found at mediajobsearchcanada.com or click on the link in the show notes. Pyramid Productions, you know, would be a dream um, place to work. And uh, I encourage everyone to apply for that. Absolutely. Well, uh, nothing left but the recommendation, Scott. Right. And yeah, uh, this is the last section of the show before our final little <laughs> plug and uh, and our message from APA. That's right. But uh, this week, we're both stalling. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I something I've been wanting to talk about uh, or, or or suggest for a while has been um, uh, some CSIF merch, and and I'm jumping the gun because it's not actually available yet. But uh, some of us board members and and people who volunteered at the Stinger Awards um, have received their toques, uh, which are pretty I didn't get cool. a toque yet. You go well. You're, you're going to get one. Shit. Um, oh. And they're also going to be available for sale for soon, as well as um, uh, some mugs as well, I believe. And uh, so yeah, CSF getting into the merch game. Uh, there's there's canvas bags. It's it's uh, it's very cool, and they're actually really quite nice. Uh, you know, sometimes merch can be not so effective and right. uh, yeah it can be crappy yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah. it's and you know what nothing wrong with the tote bag but i don't love a tote bag it doesn't feel very functional i'm to not me. gonna use that yeah there's a, there, these are when i say canvas bags they're like actually like sort of smaller gym style bags or um duffel bags um and they're very cool uh with the csif uh imagery on it so yeah absolutely uh, keep your eyes Tasteful open too yeah it's they're, they're yeah. great I'm, I'm really really proud of them they're sure. gonna be available soon uh, my recommendation is going to just basically echo what uh, Bleeding Arts tip of the week was, which is to um, consider very strongly to, uh, you know, help the industry have its voice heard by the government of Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, timing is everything in this, you know, in this industry and in, in this world, especially with politics. And we've been around long enough to see some, you know, ups and downs. And this, to me at least, and maybe it's just because I'm more involved than I was, you know, when I first got into this industry, it feels like a lot of people are are hitting this at the same time. Mm. Feels like there's a lot of organizations and a lot of producers who are um, kind of ready to speak at the same time. And you know, I don't know enough to know why this is happening, but it feels like you know there is a bit of momentum with this industry, and there is a momentum with this movement, and and you know the, this communication about pivoting the industry from cultural to uh, commercial. So yeah, I just recommend, you know, listening to that tip again, get your writing penned out, send, you know, send a letter to the powers that be, you know, your MLA or Ricardo Miranda or the film commissioner. Um, Yeah. And just let them know that, you know, this is really important to you uh, and what they can do to help the industry. So yeah, you'll be hearing more from us about this in the coming weeks, um, especially listen for that episode with Damien Petty, but uh, yeah, join in and, and, and get your voice heard here. Absolutely. Well, thanks to Briar, Chad, Britt, and Seth, who uh, all do fantastic work to make this podcast a reality every uh, every week. Uh, if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for and about you. So uh, let us know what's going on in your world, and we will happily share it with the uh, with the rest of the community. Totally. Um, and if we got anything wrong or uh, missed something, or or you'd like to get in touch with us to to tell us about what you've got going on, uh, where can they reach us, Scott? Well, it's best uh, and most organized for us to, to email us at hello at abfilmcast.ca. Uh, but of course, we're on all the social media outlets, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. And our username on all those is abfilmcast. Uh, and we strongly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, give us those sweet five-star ratings on iTunes. It does help the podcast uh, reach more uh, new filmmakers who might not know that we exist. 
Totally. So yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. We're blowing past our 100th episode milestone. Mm-hmm. We can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> but we are reaching the end of our season. Um, and you know, this season was was definitely made possible by all of our sponsors. Totally, yeah. Uh, you know, they've been a huge help to us. They've been a, a great support to us. Uh, we do have one final message from our sponsor, the Alberta Post-Production Association. So please listen to that. And once you've listened to that, go, go make, make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.